You're listening in to the Verbatim Word podcast, where we seek biblical truth in a daily context. I'm Justin Gary. At the time of the release of this podcast, it's the end of 2020, and what a year it has been. Prince said he was going to party like it was 1999. I think the at-home celebrations of 2020 will rival any party Prince threw in 1999, because we are ready to move on. But as we saw last time, God is in charge and seeks to lead us in our lives even using global circumstances to do so. We looked last time at the Christmas story. And don't worry, last week's Christmas episode and this year's New Year's episode are not really tied to the holidays. So if you were listening at another time, don't shut off the podcast just yet. There's tons to apply at any time of the year. But go back and listen to season one, episode 38, Lead, if you missed the last episode, because we're gonna carry on today. As thrilled as many are for New Year's to come this year and to rip off that final page of the 2020 calendar with all that we've faced, there is still some apprehension to step into the new year, isn't there? I mean, what could be waiting around the corner, right? None of us really saw 2020 coming, but God knew because God has a plan and his desire is to lead us in that plan if his people would only follow. At the start of the new year, we often take account. We look back at the previous year and take inventory of all the highlights and of the lowlights. And many people set out with good intentions to build upon those things and turn a corner into the new year. It's an opportunity for a new start for many. For the Jews in the Old Testament, we read in Exodus 12 verse 1, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Now for them, that was in the spring. It usually falls for us sometimes in March and April, but it's kind of symbolic of us entering into the new year as well. The Jewish new year, according to that, began when Israel departed from Egypt as they embarked on a new start, leaving the old behind and being led by the Lord into a new season of life in which they would know their God more deeply and more intimately. And he led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The scriptures say in Nehemiah 9 verse 12, Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. The Lord had a road on which they should travel and he posted clear signs for them to follow. But you know, even with such clear evidence that God was leading them into the new season, they doubted at times. They even complained about how and where God was leading and foolishly longed to go back. They rebelled against God's good intentions to lead them. Today, we want to pick up where we left off on the last last podcast, where we see that God has always sought to lead his people. Throughout scripture, we see it over and over, and we see the results when people reject that leading and rebel and do the opposite. We also saw the first of two practical ways out of four that God leads us in our lives. We consider that God leads us by his word, through the logos of the word. It says what it says, and that serves as a guide in our lives, no matter who we are and where we live and what period in history, it's God's word. And God also leads us through the rhema of the word, when God clarifies for us specifically something using scripture to do so. We also looked last time at how God leads us through circumstances, those closed and open doors in life, and how God led Joseph and Mary to head to Bethlehem because of a decree that went out that they had no control over. And yet God used it to fulfill a prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, a decree that he had made 800 years earlier. 
Well, today on this New Year's edition of Verbatim Word, we take a look at two more practical ways the Lord speaks and seeks to lead us in our lives. And hopefully it will help us to better be better followers in the year to come. So let's jump back in to this week's episode. So we have the Bible. God leads us by his word. We have circumstances. God uses circumstances, even supernatural, even global pandemics or global censuses to lead us in the directions he wants us to go. The third thing we need to uh, check off on our list is God leads us as we pray. God wants us to ask him what his will is. God wants us to ask him, how is he leading us? Lord, what are the next steps you want me to take? He wants us to ask him and then wait and watch. Oftentimes we ask him and we don't get any immediate revelation. And so we think, okay, God has no opinion, but I've got to move things along or I'm on a time time crunch. I've got to make a decision. But there does need to be some time that we allow God to answer when we pray and he will lead us. My wife and I have had uh, some stirring for some time to pay off our mortgage. And so we've been saving extra and putting more towards it and just really kind of putting out a a timeline of how long we practically could probably take to pay off this mortgage. And of course, you know, it's like when you're trying to save or you're trying to um, pay off something, other expenses keep coming up that eat away some of that money that you would normally be putting in that direction. It starts going a little slower than you had anticipated. So I was thinking about this a few months back. And I was thinking about, okay, what could I do? Maybe we could shift this money here. We could shift that money there. And I was driving alone in the car and I felt this little prompting, must've been the Holy Spirit saying, have you asked me, Justin? Have you asked me how to pay off your mortgage or to pay off your mortgage? And so I asked him, I said, Lord, if you have other resources for us, if you have other ways for us, if you have other things I haven't even seen, if you have other provision for us, Lord, I want your help. I want you to lead me to pay off this mortgage. And I don't want it to be my complete responsibility. I kid you not. I got home that day. I walked in the door and my wife told me about an opportunity she had gotten. We have had our eyes for a couple of years on this um, online private school that hires teachers. And we could do it kind of in addition to our regular work as, as moonlighting. And we know someone who's worked for them for a number of years and has recommended it. And we've applied at different times, but there's really been nothing. Well, at the time, because of the pandemic, they got a lot of new students registering and they were looking for teachers. And so when I got home, I had just prayed a few minutes later, Lord, is there other ways you might provide for us? Is there other ways you can do uh, open doors for us to be able to pay off this, this debt that we have in our mortgage? I walked in the door and my wife said, hey, I just got an email. I guess that school is hiring again right now. Should we apply? To me, God had already given me the answer five minutes before in the car when I asked from my heart and saying, Lord, do you have other ways of providing? And so we stepped into it, and both of us now have that side gig uh, doing this online teaching job. That's the way God answers sometimes. When we pray, we ask him, and we need to start watching then for the circumstances and the word to begin lining up with what was already in our heart. I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but in Slovenia, I came home one day and I found a flyer in my mailbox, and some group that I did not believe in their teachings uh, was going to start using English to make relationships to reach the gospel or their false gospel. And so I began praying and I said, Lord, I want to use English somehow. How can we use English? And within 24 hours, I got a call, someone saying, hey, we do English camps. It was a ministry that I was familiar with, and we'd like to start expanding those. Would your church be interested in hosting your first English camp this summer? I already had the answer. I had prayed the day before and and said, Lord, is there some way that we could use English? And in a short period of time, 
God answered. When we look in the book of Acts, Paul went to Philippi, but their circumstances, their closed doors, they were trying to get into Asia, they were trying to get in Bithynia, and the Spirit was prohibiting them from going that direction. But I imagine they were praying and saying, so Lord, where do you want us to go? And that night, Paul had that dream about the man from Macedonia beckoning him to come. And it says there in Acts, we concluded. They had to make a conclusion. It requires us to take a step of faith to say, Lord, I really believe that what's happening now is an answer to prayer, that you have heard me and that you're now giving me direction. God leading us through prayer would happen more often if we would do a few things. One, if we would pray about things. If we're honest, most of us, we don't pray enough. Two, if God was given time to answer. In our impatience, sometimes we ask and then we feel we have to make a decision. So we rush forward, not waiting for God to give us a clear answer. This would also happen more often if we just opened our eyes and looked at our circumstances and started expecting God to do something and aligning those circumstances to be an answer. And also too, would like Paul to Philippi, if we concluded based upon our circumstances sometimes that this must be what God is doing because I've been praying about it. Praying with expectation. It's another way that God leads us. And the fourth way that God leads us, God leads us through other people as well, through the counsel of other people and through the church, the churches to which we belong and to the greater body of Christ to which we belong. When it comes to others, if we look in Acts chapter 11, verse 25, it says, then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Paul. Barnabas went to find some help and he had heard about Saul and he went to Tarsus. He showed up and he said, hey, Saul, I've got some ministry opportunities. Why don't you come with me? God used a man named Barnabas to unlock the ministry of Paul the Apostle. God used another person to show Paul God's way for him and to lead him. Jesus also, when he found his disciples doing different things, he said, follow me. He extended an invitation, inviting them to do something that God then was then leading through Jesus, the disciples, to make those steps in their lives. It's a great thing to have spirit-led people around us. And when I say spirit-led people, I don't mean that they're always coming up and say, God has shown me that you must follow me, or God has spoken to me and his will for your life is this. Well, God might do that sometimes. I'm just talking about people who are in touch with Jesus, spirit-led people who walk with Jesus every day, guess what? God will often use them to point us in the direction of ways that he even wants to lead us. Another aspect of this is seeking counsel, asking other people, spirit-filled people, what their insights in are in, in our circumstances in our lives. Solomon, he was known as the wisest man who ever lived, and he wrote many of the Proverbs. Listen to what some of the Proverbs say about seeking counsel. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Are you pondering a big decision right now? Do you have any counsel? Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. There, Solomon point, points out that we can often be so nearsighted in our own lives. Sometimes it takes an outside perspective to bounce things off of, and that gives us wisdom. Proverbs 15, verse 22. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. You know, when we're looking from our own perspective, sometimes we don't see all the details and things can start falling apart because we missed something or we didn't think through something. 
Having counsel always allows other people to give us insight that firmly establishes plans. Proverbs 19 verse 20 says, Listen to counsel and receive instruction, that you may be wise in your latter days. What common things do you hear in those verses from Proverbs? What would be the traits of good counselors? Who should you seek counsel from? And who do you have to give you counsel? Who do you seek counsel from? It's wise because God often leads us, at least partly, through the counsel of other people. And part of that also is the church. When I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about other people in the body of Christ. God has given us gifts gifts to edify one another, to build up one another. And some of those gifts lend themselves to leading. Gifts like prophecy or words of wisdom or words of knowledge. Now, we can't always accept when everyone, because the Spirit tells us to test the prophets, when someone comes up to us and says, God's will for you is this, God spoke to me and said this. God might do that, but it's also going to be confirmed through other things as well. I remember I was pastoring in Celia and a friend of mine, she called and said, hey, could I meet up with you real quick? And so I met and we met right in front of the city hall of the town we lived in. It was called Narodnidom. And she said, you know, I just been praying about this and I just feel like we're supposed to do something for Christmas here at the Narodnidom. Inside was a great hall, a beautiful ornate theater. And and that was kind of intimidating, a very, very small church. What were we going to do in this big hall for Christmas? Could we even fill it up even partly? Well, you know what? That little prodding, from a member of the body of Christ who felt the leading of the Spirit was something that opened a door that led to something else that led to something else. And that Christmas, we did have a Christmas program in there, inviting people from the community. It was kind of a big deal because we had mostly done things just in the confines of our small church. It was a true outreach that Christmas that our friends and our family and our community and even another church were able to be a part of. And it came from someone in the church using their gift and stepping out in faith in that. Careful though that you don't begin to assume that you know the Lord's will for other people. Share what you have on your heart for them, but they do need to hear from God. So we see the Bible. We see circumstances. We see prayer and we see other people and counsel in the church. These are ways that God can lead us. Which of the four do you see most often in your life? And which of the four maybe have you overlooked or neglected and might be missing out on in the leading of God? Well, have grace upon yourself because God's going to keep trying to lead you. So just pay a, bit better, a little bit better attention next time. So we've looked at some ways that God can lead us. But the next thing is, why be led? Why would I want to be led by God? Why be led by the Lord? What results from it? What benefits are there when he leads my life instead of me? Well, one is God knows the way. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. God has an eternal perspective. He has a perspective from the throne of heaven. He sees the whole picture and he knows what's up ahead. So when we invite God in to lead our lives, our footing is on secure ground because God sees the end from the beginning. The other reasons would be aimless wandering. Do we want to aimless, aimlessly wander? Psalm 23 says that the Lord is my shepherd. God is efficient. He doesn't allow us to wander aimlessly. Everything he does, every way he leads us has a plan and has a purpose that is even greater than our small lives. The detours that we think we're on sometimes are actually his way of getting the whole route taken care of because there's other things on those side roads that he needs us to go down before we get back on the expressway. Another thing is God has a good plan and God has a will for us. 
It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There are some things that God desires from your life and for your life. And our leading ourselves will often cut, the, cut those things short. But when we're allowed to be led by God, we fulfill those plans and those purposes. The misconception oftentimes is that being led by God means that it should be smooth sailing. And so we begin to doubt when things get a little bumpy along the way. And we start saying, did God really lead me? Or maybe it's not his will after all. Well, look at scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. When God was leading the people of Israel in the wilderness. And you shall remember the Lord your God. He led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. God led you all the way, even through the rough patches, even through the hard stuff. He says there, remember, what does it imply to remember? It means that they had forgotten it. And who was leading them? The Lord, your God. This great, magnificent God who's all-powerful, who has all the resources, he's been the one who's been leading you, even when you may have felt like you lacked every now and then in the harsh uh, environment of the wilderness. And where were they led? He led them all the way those 40 years in the wilderness. It wasn't always by oasises. It wasn't always by the sea. It wasn't always by beautiful views. It was in dry, hot, uncomfortable places. And yet remember, the Lord God led you all the way in those things. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, we see that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the, by the devil. What an amazing verse that is, that the Spirit was leading Jesus to go into an uncomfortable place to face temptation, and yet he was being led by God. So it's a lie when we start to believe that everything God leads us in should be smooth sailing or should be comfortable. When things get tough, we often want to get back in the driver's seat and start leading our lives again to do something smoother, to do something more comfortable, less stretching, but that can sometimes lead us away from what God wants us to do. So I mentioned a little while ago that we took these online side jobs. Well, mind you, we have other jobs as well. In the middle of a pandemic, when a lot of people are out of work, we just counted as a blessing that we have too much work. But there was a week or two there where we were just really, really overwhelmed. And so we began to pray again and said, Lord, did we miss a turn? Did we do something wrong? Did we say yes when we shouldn't have said yes? And I said, I really felt like you led because I've been praying and then you opened this door. But Lord, if so, stop this right now. Close this. Fire us. Let all of our students go back to brick and mortar schools and not do these online school. Whatever it is, Lord, stop it. Take it away. We prayed that. And guess what? Next day I got an email and I have now another subject that I'm teaching. More students, more opportunities. It was almost like the Lord said, you're trying to get away from this. I'm actually trying to lead you into this more. I want to bring a blessing through this. So here you go. Go back in that direction. It's not easy and it has not gotten completely easy, but at least it gives hope to know, Lord, if you've led me here, you are going to sustain me here. Even if it's 40 years in a wilderness, I just want to know that I'm being led by you. And that's the thing oftentimes is we doubt that where we are is really the Lord's doing. We think it's our doing and we think it's up to us. And so we cut ourselves short sometimes of the blessing of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul wrote this. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. There's panic at times in our lives when we think, did I take a wrong turn? 
I remember it was my dad's 50th birthday. That seems like forever ago. But we were in Europe and we took a day trip to Paris. We were in Germany at the time and we took a day trip to Paris. We did Paris hard. We did some great things. We saw the Louvre. We saw the Arc de Triomphe. We saw all this different stuff. We were probably 13, 14 hours just stomping on the pavement, seeing as much of Paris as we could. We got in the car and we headed back the direction that we had come from. Well, of course, after such a long day, everyone was exhausted. I was behind the driver's seat at that point and everyone fell asleep, including the navigator. The person who was supposed to be looking at the map, this was before GPS time, fell asleep. And when they finally woke up, we had missed a turn and we were on the wrong highway going in the wrong direction in France for probably about an hour to two hours out of our way. It was frustrating to have to back up and turn around and, and go back the other direction. The backtracking, it was, it was wasted time. But sometimes we wonder and we have that panic, did we miss a turn somewhere? Is where we are right now where we're supposed to be? Am I in the wrong place? Am I in the wrong ministry? Am I married to the wrong person? Am I in the wrong story? Am I in the wrong script? Did I make a mistake somewhere back and now I've messed it all up? Well, notice the verse we just read, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Paul says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Even if we or someone else made choices that negatively affected our lives, God can and God will use it because God is sovereign. Paul, he knew some regrets. He had thrown some people in prison. He had stood by as Stephen had been martyred. But he wrote this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes we wonder, did I take a wrong turn? Am I in the right place? Am I in the wrong place? I think Paul has the good attitude of saying, I forget those things which are behind. I forget all those wrong turns I've made, but today at this moment, I'm saying, here, Lord, lead me from ahead from this point. And Paul kept his eyes in eternity. He says, I'm looking towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that the ultimate goal of God anyway? To lead us home to him, to lead us home to his side. That as we are seeking him and we seek to follow him, and even in our mistakes of life, Romans tells us that he works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? His purpose is that we would fellowship with him now and on into eternity. And he's he is committed to leading us there. Jesus leads the way. He told his disciples in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love that verse. Jesus is leading us to the Father. But notice too, sometimes we get so consumed with the way. Lord, how are you leading my life? How are you leading my business? How are you leading my circumstances? We become the center of it. And yet Jesus says, the one thing you need to focus on is that I am the way. Focus on me. You don't need to have the roadmap. You just need to know me and stay close to me and just walk where I'm walking. And that's where I'm gonna take you on the path that the Father has for you because I'm leading you to the Father. I'm leading you to be in a closer relationship with the Father, whether those be easy circumstances and blessings or whether those be challenging circumstances here on this earth. If you stay close to me, I am leading you to the Father. Get used to Jesus leading the way. In Revelation 19, 
verses 1 and 4, it gives us a glimpse of when Jesus returns. It says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. In verse 4, And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. You know when Jesus returns, who's going to be following him? In that day, those who are following him are all those who are following him today. We're going to follow him up to heaven, and then we're going to follow him back from heaven when he returns in Revelation chapter 19. But just know this, he who sat on that horse was called faithful and true. God is faithful to lead us when we seek him. God is faithful to us, even in our own follies that we've made when we turn those over to him and say, Lord, lead me from this point on. God is faithful and God is true. And Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, that you have not left us as orphans, that you've come to us and you've given us a helper in the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for Christian believers. We thank you for the discernment of the Holy Spirit, Lord, all these things. And yet we confess, Lord, that oftentimes we still make choices every day where we lead ourselves, even for the moment, and we don't let you lead us. And Lord, we know in those moments that we are sinning. But we thank you for the cross, Lord. You were led by your Father to the cross. You were led by all the prophecies that have been spoken, Lord. Those things led you to be born in Bethlehem, but also to die the sinless death on the cross. And because of those things, Lord, we can have life. We can be led by you today. So, Lord, we return right now once again to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. We believe, Lord, that you have been raised from the dead, but we also confess with our mouths, Jesus, that you are Lord. You are Lord of our lives, so lead us now from this point forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.